Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on. This is part two, continuing on from last week's podcast. Uh, last week, Jordan was primarily talking about uh, the Byzantine Empire and what they had to endure for a 300-year period. So we're continuing on from that and we talk about culture, comparing the culture of the Byzantines to the culture of today. And it was quite a good one. And I will get into all of that. But first, got to shout out the sponsors. I mean, look, the the sponsor shout out on the last podcast was probably the best we've ever done. This will not top that. But got to give a big shout out to imearthy.com.au. Earthy have a huge range of sustainable clothing, maybe the most sustainable clothing brand in the world based in the south coast of New South Wales. They've got a huge range of clothes. I don't have the t-shirt on me right now, but I'm sure you've seen it before if you're watching on YouTube. It's a beautiful blue color. They've got a wonderful logo. Go to imearthy.com.au and their mission statement is to be thought-provoking, to inspire change and to embrace a sustainable future whilst having a good time and creating wearable art. So why wouldn't you go to imearthy.com.au, I-M-E-A-R-T-H-I-E.com.au, use the code Neil Jordan, you get 15% off and they donate $5 from every shirt towards the Australian Conservation Foundation and Sea Shepherd Australia. We're also sponsored by Crush Organics. Crush, got a huge range of CBD oil products, They've even got pain cream. They've got CBD oil for your pets as well. So if your pet is being a psycho, get some CBD oil for them from Crush Organics. That's Crush with a K, crushorganics.com. Use the code NEIL, N-E-E-L. You get 40% off. And, of course, if you haven't used it before, read all the labels and maybe just start off with one or two drops. All right. Enjoy part two. Where is the avenue for, for heroism for me? Now, look, if you're... I'm not defending this in any way, but like, if you fight for ISIS, you are a hero. You are in many. You are you are fighting for a, a in your mind what is like a just holy cause. You are willing to die for it, and yeah, you're going to go to heaven to get your pure harem of whatever seventy two virgins. That's also a big part of it. But it's hard to compete when people are willing to like literally kill themselves for this cause. You know that's pretty. That's a that's a that's a that's powerful ammunition mm. psychologically. Mm, 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 what are you? What are people willing to die for today? No, it's like a it's it's, it's a third world thing. Yeah, I mean, people I would, die I, for things in the third world. There probably is like a still a large cohort of of um, the Australian public that uh, I don't want to. You know, there's people who definitely obviously join the police force and and become firefighters and you know the and the armed forces and obviously part of that is like yeah you you're willing to die for the country but it's just not i mean it used to be almost universal it was embedded into so many of the stories of western society like the hero was a man that like fought valiantly against all odds and yes part of that was then he like usually claimed the princess and Yes, if you were to like put on your feminist glasses and deconstruct that, sure, it, it there's like a, it's problematic or whatever. But like, look at what you, you've then also like created a lot of uh, despondency and just lack of deeper meaning among men by taking away that 
hero myth. Mm. And replace it with what? Crying on a podcast. Yep, whatever it is. Which, you know, like, yeah, you should do that. I was vulnerable in the last podcast. Go ahead and do that. Fine. But but it's, it's, I mean, it's pathetic anyway because it's, it's just like, what the fuck are you talking? I hate this stupid, like, dumb generalization they always have of just like, men aren't vulnerable and they're only ever taught to just be angry and shit. And it's like, fucking universe do you live in? That is not my experience of being a man at all. And if you go back and read, as you were saying once on a podcast, like- uh, love letters from soldiers in Gallipoli in World War One. What, these were just one-dimensional beings that only thought about killing Turks, was it? Like, they wrote better poetry than anything any of these, like, TikTok cunts write about toxic masculinity today. Like, <laughs> Look, way better. Exactly right. right. This is things a, this that is are better than me phenomenon. and my entire life is based off of writing scripts and, like, the average... Like 19-year-old wrote better than I did back then. Well, you know, even then, World War Two. how many men were willing to, like, die for the country against actual fa- against actual fascism and Nazism and now they're being called the Nazis? It's like the level of disrespect. Like, if the Nazis had won that war, I wouldn't be sitting here. Although, I don't know, India was, like, weirdly kind of aligned with... Yeah, they're kind of cool with it. That yeah, was they, weird. I don't know what's going on there. Weird stuff going on there. But, yeah. well, there's like there's sort of this Aryan history of India that, you know, it's got from the India, Indo-Aryans and then there's a lot of sort of purity and like especially caste purity that exists in India. And, you know, they, they sort of, they liked the idea of, you know, the, the, the fervency of protecting the homeland and like having the pure race and things like that so you know there was like a like some similarities i suppose there uh but the point is a lot of that was sort of embedded into the male psyche i think from whether you want to call it propaganda or not some of it was just direct propaganda to get people to sign up to the army but also it was just this general idea that like Yes, they always just talk about the the bad things about what I guess masculinity was, which was like, yes, you had to, you were the leader, and you had more, you you sort of led the family, but like they don't talk about like the responsibility that came with that, which was like you had to be the provider, and you have to be, in many ways, like the hero for your family. Now that's still like that. That's still again, like I'm sure if you ask most husbands and fathers today would you die for your wife would you die for your kids they would say yes um but it's just not as fervent i i think as as what it used to be you know like the, there was all those sort of stories like every story was like the hero archetype that saves the princess you know what else is ridiculous and- about that that's so true it's just like that entire thing of just like deconstructing masculinity god that's that's a a uh, product of a society that's like extremely well cushioned and going through an unnaturally good period of existence yeah and, and how, look, like I, how is that going to pan out in anything resembling remotely tough times like you know what i bet you this will all die down as soon as this global recession hits 
There's going to be it's a lot has. less of those already, annoying cunty voices. Yeah, I mean, look, look with the inflation, it's it already sort of has. I mean, it already sort of has, and global, it's like nothing. Like this world, this war now in the periphery, and you know, it's kind of people have already but, yeah, started to shut up about it. I don't know if I don't think like the modern. It depends when you call it, how you define modern Western society, but yeah, sure, they probably didn't have the compulsion to live through that hellscape and just fight and still remain literate and against all odds of this 300-year just melee of attack after attack after attack, sure, that needed you needed some kind of very uh, strong ideology to get you through that and to still act virtuously in spite of those circumstances. Having said that, I do think, you know, what do they always say? Oh, tough times breed strong men and strong men create good times and mm. good, whatever they say. Mm. But also religion clearly is an adaptive ideological mechanism for societies to organize in a, in a fruitful, productive way with an embedded growth mechanism. And the, the evidence is obviously like it's existed for 2000 years and, and, Judaism 5,000, and it's been the sort of foundation of many great civilizations. And so there's clearly, like when atheist, and I've, I've always still got this angry atheist streak because I just grew, like I, I was indoctrinated the other way. My dad gave me Richard Dawkins when I was like 13, <laughs> and I just never, and being in the arts, it was just like so hard to get out of this mindset. But like to sit there and be like, well, it's all fucking dumb, man. You're stupid. You believe in the fucking dead shit, man. It's just like, you so disrespectful. Look at like the actual, whether you're not, it's uh, look, no one, even the priests, as far as I'm aware, and correct me if I'm wrong with this, but like the priestly class of Europe post dark ages, as far as you could actually probably correct me if I'm wrong here, even they sort of knew. Oh, look, a lot of this, uh, these are sort of like philosophies and this is all like a, a grand metaphor to help organize society. Mm. You know, when you really got to the upper echelons of the educated masses, most people sort of understood, yeah, okay, is it like objectively real that there's like a, this spirit man that is like controlling everything or is it just like a very, very effective way to uh, – conduct society to organize people and to like foster a uh, just as beneficial the conditions can possibly be amidst what were usually tumultuous and hard circumstances. That then it, it's pretty hard to argue against that. I, I can't see how it's not. Um, yes, in today, like it's, is it compatible with like the society we currently live in today? I don't know. But like there is a lot of. <laughs> mental illness that there was mental illness before sure but there's also like a lot of mental illness bred from like a lack of meaning and purpose that's the big thing mm. and mm. Mm. you know like religion actually did and yes there's you can easily pick apart the flaws of it and I don't even I'd feel like I don't even need to do that so I'm not avoiding that but because it's just so overdone constantly what it did do was fulfill a lot of the one, there's just like the desires of the human psyche, but also 
create a solution to many of the problems that are now having to be faced by governments, right? So the mental health, right? That's just, there's going to be so much pressure on like governments to fund psychology, to, to basically make it part of Medicare. There's going to be, and it's going to be a huge cost. You know, psychologists are like, what, 200 plus a setting. That was sort of done within like a little community through the church, now, yes, is that the same as like actual psychology? No, but I'm just saying it sort of acted as like a, a, it was sort of like a rudimentary and like with the resources they had an effective way of like giving people meaning and purpose and, and having them live by a code of ethics that allowed them to organize and, and structure a given community. Um, things like, you know, you look at birth rates and families and, and, you know, things that were just like ways to like allow society to prosper, which wasn't necessarily looking at what is best for the individual, but like what is best for the community and the collective. Clearly religion must have been effective, otherwise it wouldn't have lasted for this long. And so then, yeah, it, it, like it clearly has an effective streak and, you know, most people, then you can get into the semantics of like, what is true? Like, is truth something that is, you know, is it sort of synonymous with wisdom? And is it, you know, effective, if it helps us, is it then true? Or are we talking about like, what is objectively, scientifically true? Well, that was the whole Sam Harris, Jordan Peterson debate anyway. But look, Yeah, I can't yeah. remember what I was talking about. Like the no, point, but the, like I, think, just, I think it's just completely lost with this post-religious world. I'm going to have to look up the uh, derision of inspire, but it kind of sounds like it's getting – it's a shortened word of like in spirit, doesn't it? The word it inspire. Yeah. But like at the very least, like you, you do look at anything from medieval Europe and you see – a much more spiritual place. It's the same thing as like, you know, when I walk into churches in Australia, most of them anyway, I don't really feel like praying. Maybe if they were built 200 years ago, I do. But then you go to churches in Europe and it's like, dude, you, you can see what was appealing about being a Christian back then. That is a true place of peace. Yeah, definitely more uh, ostentatious and artistic. Ostentatious doesn't even cut it. It's just kind of like you can feel the effort that went into it. I think it's kind of the same thing. It's just like, you know, when someone just puts a lot of effort into something and even if it's not your cup of tea, you just respect that. Yeah, there's a Because there's so that. much of their soul in it. There's mm. the spirit in it. Mm. Oh, and absolutely. I think that that's just like, uh, man, I think that that's what- is missing from our society now. Soul and spirit, yeah. Look, Soul and spirit. Like there's just no inspiration. There's, as you were saying, right, like, okay, there's a few selected individuals that might be able to carve out their own inspiration from, I don't know, in my instance, reading self-help or something like that. But this is a society where it feels like even milkmaidens and children and beggars all would have at least had some kind of comfort and aim for something more. 
And I'm not talking about material gain here. I'm to, I, I guess I'm actually just talking about service. Yeah, look, we're this, our site is spiritually sick. Yeah. It's just not much spirit we've, left. We've, we've, yeah, we've liberated ourselves from all the, the responsibilities that came with the, and, and potential inequities that came with the aforementioned religious codes and cultural codes, but we are now very just entirely devoid of deeper meaning and it's and it's causing us to like seek out uh, whatever we can online where, you know, there's all this sort of division and tribalism because people are just like desperately seeking something deeper and that's, you know, that's, well, they, it's a huge part of why this kind of progressive ideology has caught on so much because there's clear like I don't even think you're an honest intellectual actor until unless you can acknowledge there is clearly like a very anti-scientific irrational bend to it that a lot of people are being attracted to especially young people especially young people who feel ostracized and maybe have some previous mental health concerns or you know uh, they are just they are drawn to this and it gives them a deep sense of meaning and purpose and then they get to fight for something greater than themselves. So those North Shore kids that you're talking about that went to the Black Lives Matter protests, even though those sorts of things are like, manu- they're, they're manufactured by, there's, like there are a lot of corporate interests where, you know, that doesn't matter, that's another podcast, but they would have felt a deep sense of meaning being at that protest. They would have felt like they are fighting for a just cause and then their life really meant something at that moment. How much shitter is that than something that kind of inspired you to build something that not even your grandchildren would see? Just this like little flit of something that comes on just being like, yeah, yeah, you're part of something big. Go out here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah fuck cops. Yeah. All right, let's go have salmon. What was I so angry about again? Oh, there's something else to be angry about. And also this as well. Like, how much worse is this for the soul? Just being inspired by things that are angry as opposed to things that are kind of like Hmm. give you a sense of like wonder and awe. This is And humble, humbleness as well. That's the thing that I really liked about those military manuals, like the Stratagecon, right? Like it was just like you knew at the beginning of it with that prayer and with that like little like advice to the general beforehand that that general did not think that he was king shit. Like there there was, he was below someone else and and that is a good thing to think in life. As opposed to thinking that you're just at the top and whatever you want is what you should have in life. It's so much better to be thinking like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm one bit of like a greater plan that that's, that's a level of humble, right? And there's also just this, like, I, I had it the other day, right? Like this this old guy, I think it's just the sign of like a good, you know how like in Japan and stuff, like if if somebody that's a hundred years old, there's obviously downsides to it, but there is also definitely an upside that if a hundred year old says something, everyone kind of just nods and there's no disrespect to them at all. It's just, they said it and they're old. Therefore, like it's kind of correct. That's a level of humbleness that just doesn't exist in our society anymore. There's there's no humility in it. 
That's yes, another level yes, of it. No, that is another level of just this, like. Uh, it's uh, yeah, the. Uh, which is again that thing that I think when you're talking about respect. these people that are like, man, fuck cops, the institution, like. This, this fucking 22-year-old saying that about something that has kind of, like, I, I, served society for thousands of years. I just, I really wish, like, I, I hope that the government one day just says, all right, we'll create a little space here. No police. Go on. Live there. You pay less tax. Go on. Go. It's where it's and won't be racist. Go on. See, see who takes up that power vacuum. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah, war I'm going to guess. They're probably not white. What are you going to do then? Huh? Anyway, like these people just have not grown up. Maybe I just grew up in like a, in the hood, but like you just have not grown up in an area where you've had to like, you know, worry about being burgled or like, you know, you might get bashed if you look at someone the wrong way. Like that you, you just have never – anyway. And like also the one other thing I'll say is like you don't really understand – it's kind of like when you talk about how like the Labor government is. It's not like you see – it's just like it prevents things that otherwise would be a disaster, right? So the bushfires may not have been as severe because the Labor government was there. It's very hard to say like, hey, look, you know, because of the Labor governments of the 80s, you generally have a better life than you otherwise would have, right? But you don't like when you go outside, go and film yourself not getting stabbed, not getting beaten up, not being robbed. You know why that happens? Because of the police, okay? So- you don't, it's not as like impactful for the psyche. It's very hard to make that argument. Like a pre- this is the prevention of certain things are because of the police force, but it it's just because you don't have the video footage to show it and, and things like that. But man, like that, uh, anyway, like, like I said, that is one issue for whatever reason I just get quite emotional about, but and I don't deny, I'm sure, like, some people have been hurt by the, you know, been, like, unfairly treated and unfairly targeted by the police. And But I just think, like, the positives really outweigh the negative there. This is kind of what I was talking about in the last podcast, man. Like, a lot of people on, on like, a lot of the media I consume, in the, in the articles I read, it's a criticism of what Western culture is today. And it goes along the same avenues of like, hey, look at like it, throughout history, there were like there were there were bastions of deeper meaning for the average Western person to live by. And yes, there were far more sort of strict cultural codes that were in many ways restrictive for the masses and unfairly restrictive to certain groups. That's all well and good. But by stripping that away, you've stripped away a lot of that deeper meaning. So what I think is a more interesting question for me now, because I think a lot of these conversations, look, not in the context comparing it specifically to the Byzantines, but uh, in the context of these conversations that are critical of what Western society has become, particularly Western culture. Okay, what do we do about it? Then? Like that's now the question. Like what? where do we go? Yes, there's no deeper meaning. There's no spirituality. There's no heroism. We're not fighting for a greater cause. How do we change that? How, how how can we instill that into the next generation? Is it through government? Is it through, you know, public figures? Is it through media? Is it through religion? Is it through, and, and what does that look like? Do we go, do we just go backwards and say, oh, I don't know, it was pretty good in the 50s, let's go back to that? Or do we try to evolve and think of something new 
that can be deeply spiritually nourishing and enriching for the average Western citizen in, say, 2015. For, like, our children, not even that, probably more like our grandchildren, what can we do now? What can we create? What direction can we move culture to ensure that they have meaning in their lives, the things that we realized was a huge problem affecting society how do we fix that? How do we alleviate that? That's that's a question that like, I think I'm more passionate about now than anything else. Dude, you know what? So am I. It's a big question. It's a big question and I don't think that there's... Well... The more that you're, you know, I think that a lot of these things kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm just seeing it through this lens. Tell, tell me if I'm wrong about this. Do you think that a lot of these divisions go away if people kind of are just living a life that is, uh, let me just use the word inspired again. Like if people are living an inspired life, do you think that a lot of these? I would guess that it would at least severely uh, lessen them, yeah. Surely. Yeah. If people are living an inspired life, maybe they just don't have time for crime. Maybe they don't have time for coming up with all of these like uh, cultural divisions. If they're truly inspired, if they're truly trying to build something as opposed to tear something down, which really, that's like the the, the classic thing, right? Like it's just, any, like you get to any philosophy ever and it's always just talking about there's, there's two ways to have the tallest building in a city, right? Like you can build the tallest building in the city or you can just tear down the tallest building in the city so yours is the tallest. Which well, yeah, it seems to be like what- Parable, isn't it? it? Like that's- yeah. Huh? Well, it's just like it seems like that's kind of what is the froze of now. And not only that, the reactionary sentiment that is sort of now quite pervasive, it's just the exact same thing, but just on a shorter timeline. Hmm? Well, yes, there's this sort of institutional capture of uh, a, an ideology that is trying to tear down, deconstruct, or at least you know, severely criticize and change the uh, foundations of the society that we live in. And some of which is, is quite likely uh, fair. But then what's happened now in, in like, you know, critiquing, I guess, woke culture or whatever you want to call it, it's essentially doing the same thing. You're just trying to tear down the people that are trying to tear down. So it's, just, it's still not, you're not building. You're building. No. So the, the really in, intriguing thing for me that I think I really want, I'm, the more I think about it, the more maybe I actually want to dedicate myself to this is like building the cultural institutions and philosophies of the future. And that's like, that's a, that's a, that's a big goal. Because like the the people who, you know, sort of created or, or just were like arbiters and promulgators of culture are like often heroes. But 
nothing else is inspiring me. Like what I don't I don't want to do stand up and doing like a little tour about men and women anymore. I want to think about how people should be living in 2050. Like that that's inspiring. It me. is. It's huge. How do you do it? I don't know, but I think that. I'm going to start by asking questions about how people should live their life and getting different opinions about how one should conduct themselves and what are the obligations for each individual in a society, what are their rights, but what are their responsibilities? This is like one aspect of the conversation that just has been so lopsided towards rights, 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 and there's not even a single talk about, I mean, even you go to the classic line of like, JFK was a Democrat president and he said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I mean, imagine if like any politician said that today. Imagine if someone went up to a politician's like, you know what? It was actually, uh, I remember this one guy, this guy who's like one of those conservative pundits in America. And I've just never stopped laughing every time I think about this. He's, you know, Adam Carolla He's just some like American conservative pundit. And he was like, you know, I was watching one of those um, speeches by a politician and this sort of, this like, Lady got up and she says, I'm a single mother of four kids. What can you do for me? And I was like, the government shouldn't do anything for you. You made terrible choices in your life. What do you expect the government to do? <laughs> Every time I think about that, I laugh, I laugh so hard. Holy but shit. Like, it's just like such a good point. It's just like everyone's so like, perfect. what are you going to do for me? What do I deserve? What can I have? What It's like, what are you giving? What can you offer? But No, but you know what else was perfect about that? It's also easy to say that than to actually do it because there's a lot of people in the commentary that are like, yeah, you know, people should be give more and like, you know, everyone's selfish. And then you look at them and they go and write their article and go home to their McMansion as well. So, but yeah, go on. No, it's just like, dude, that's hilarious. Sorry. I just really need to like stew on that for a second because that's amazing. Like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. The '60s version of that was "Ask not what you could do, what you, you could do for your country," and the 2022 version of that is the Republican, like the yes, Republican answer to that is just like she stands up and asks that, and instead of saying something inspiring, is just saying like, "Well, I mean, Shara, you made terrible choices in your life, and that's entirely your fault, and I think that we should just cut the programs because, really, like, it, 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 no one else is really entitled to help you." Like, <laughs> that is such a different answer. It is. That is such a different answer for a different time, and like, it's just that is the better answer, right? Like, and again. Do you reckon any Democrat would say anything like, ask not what you could do, but what you could do for your country? If they did, they would be eaten alive on Twitter. Eaten a yeah, fucking life. Absolutely. Like they would have to say something just being like, yeah, yeah, that's terrible, isn't it? A round of applause for this brave lady. She's such a brave woman. And then just continue on. It's just like so crap. 
the, a- the answer <laughs> is so crap. <laughs> yeah, like that is look. Incentive structures are something that whatever, whenever you are talking about the the culture of the future, you have to you you have to talk about incentive structures, and you have to think about like how do you incentivize people to act in a way that is yes good for them, but also good for society. That is very important. That is very important. Now, it has been bastardized and it's used as a sort of way to just simply parrot a very um, neoconservative agenda. But that doesn't deny the fact that it is so important. You have to understand human psychology. You have to understand the human condition. And that's where, like, a lot of ideologies just simply don't take that into account and then there's like the sort of the blank slate everyone is socially malleable and everyone can like reach look thomas soul wrote a great book the um i think it's called the tale of two visions or the, it's something like that but he basically sums up that there's in all the sort of like tapestry of intellectuals of western society there were like you could sum them up as people who thought the individual can reach like a form of I guess perfection just themselves if they're given the right uh, conditions and the, the the appropriate environment. And then there are people who think, no, you need to rely on sort of like traditional wisdom and like an accumulation of that wisdom and just like an ex- just sort of this. It's not like like you can't. The individual cannot necessarily be perfected in that way, and and there needs to be sort of a boon against human imperfection and that is a question that needs to be answered we need to reconcile with okay is the human per, uh, capable of moral perfection well, you'd have to ask like what is moral of course first of all but like is the human then capable of reaching moral perfection or is the human always going to be imperfect and if it is imperfect how do you then structure society to not reach a utopia but to reach the best possible outcome the best the best possible situation with like the appropriate sort of i guess checks and balances and uh a moral and cultural code that embeds you know the imperfections of humanity into that and is able to reconcile with that because I'm firmly in that camp. I don't think that like, clearly we cannot reach some sort of perfect utopia where there's no crime or there's no injustice or that, you know, there, there are going to be people who do bad things. There are going to be people who, you know, cause problems. And, and also just through like just genetic range and just gene mutations and all sorts that there's going to be, there's going to be um, suffering. There is going to be hardship and there is going to be, um, uh, you know, immorality and selfishness and gra- all these things are just even these things people don't really talk about them, do they? It's like selfishness, greed, like all these things that I guess unless you go to church, you probably hear that all the time. But where is the conversation about that in 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 the mainstream secular culture? It's a good mission in life. 
In fact, you know why? I think that we actually are products of... We're products of like a particularly unique point in history in that... And there's great everything opportunity. That you said, great opportunity. Great opportunity. A lot of chaos, a lot of hardship, but great opportunity. Yeah, yeah, but like, okay, I think Gen X... I feel I do feel really sorry for Gen X. I think they're the worst generation by a mile. But I but I do also feel sorry for them in that they didn't really have the the fruits of the previous institutions that kind of the baby boomers had. Uh, those started to break down mm-hmm. with the reign of Gen X. Gen X, I think, became very selfish cunts, but those institutions also existed and nothing else was there to replace it. I think Gen Y saw the new burgeoning state of these new institutions. And by new institutions, I'm, I'm actually just talking about like podcasts and shit, right? And then Gen Z kind of, it, it became, they, they grew up with the idea. This, this is an insane idea to me, right? Like every time I ever come past a 10 year old, they're always just like, can you tell me some YouTube tricks and all this kind of shit, right? Like this just wasn't a thing for us, yeah? Uh, so that wasn't there. We, as millennials, sort of existed in this time where those institutions are completely broken down. There's nothing to replace them yet. Um, but there's also like the, the tools to replace it with something. Yeah. You're in like a very unique period of history. We can quite literally design the culture of tomorrow. Yeah, you I could mean, do that. You, you really could. You could. It's a, it's a huge opportunity and a huge responsibility. But, dude, it's this is the whole thing. I think it's like you, you're thinking too big about it, right? Like I think I think you kind of just it's, – it's like how you built your career, I guess, again, but it's, a, it's a just it's a, it's a brick by brick thing. It's like mm. – and, again, it's kind of one of those things like building the monastery back in 1000 AD doesn't necessarily even have to happen in your lifetime. But, you know, like it's a good thing to kind of devote your life to, to start laying the bricks. Because I've been thinking about that a lot too as well. And I've been thinking not exactly the same vein, but I've been thinking like now that the Labor government's in, because that was just my cause over the last nine years, I suppose just getting them elected, getting enough people educated on it so that they actually know what that that kind of government actually implements. Now I'm going to get to the point where I kind of just streamline that so it's just this endless reminder in people that like this is what this government's implementing, this is what this government would have implemented. you got to keep reminding people of that, but it needs to go into other things. And I think that the next layer of what I need to do now is to build up Jordan Shanks so that I'm now building up the individual. Then I need to start building up community avenues, avenues that people can like start doing things on a wider societal context. Like the next thing that I think I'm going to do originally, I was just going to go and try and get some money, as I told you before, for just raising money for a dog pound. Now, because I've realized that there's so many dog pounds, I think what I'm going to go do this is is going to be a series where I'm just going to go around to dog pounds and I'm just going to say like, to ask them all, like, 
what would be the most effective way of getting more dogs rehomed and saved. And I'm going to ask a bunch of people that so I can come up and just get educated on it very quickly and kind of educate the audience on it very quickly. And then people that want to save dogs, they can go move into that because what you've got now with the ideas of podcasts and all this kind of stuff is you've got a very efficient way of distributing that kind of labor to the places that it should go to by saying to all these people, Hey, if that like interests you, this is what you should be doing. Mm. Like this is the most effective way that you can be doing these things. I think that now after this 10 years of kind of getting this big macro change that needed to happen, I think I'm kind of on board with you now that I actually need to take it back and start pursuing ways of building the individual building the individual into something greater but i think it just really i'm really liking this word now i think it all just comes down to this i really think it comes down to like inspiring people i think that's it like that like man imagine if you created a culture of inspiration like instead of everybody just kind of sitting there and just being like how do I take this person down to get views and all this kind of shit? You know, like you kind of just shifted the culture away from being us really. And just being like, no, 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 no. Think way bigger than that. What's something that you could build? I don't know. There's a start anyway. No, you're absolutely right. A lot of food for thought. Mm. Yeah, there is some food for thought there. The architects of okay. <laughs> See, you got to make sure like your inner psychology is dealt with enough that you are not actually in it for power as well. And you don't know if you because everyone who is in it for power thinks they're doing things for altruistic means. But this is the whole thing, right? Like, no, I don't necessarily agree with that. If you're any bad dictator throughout history, if you actually ask them, they'd say, oh, I'm doing it for my people. I'm doing it for the good of this country. But No, not necessarily. Some of them actually would just say, I'm doing it for power. Like, okay, let's just go through a classic example of like, he who shall not be named that I'm dealing with right now. There's no way that if you asked that man, why he did the things he did, was it for the betterment of the particular precedent that he was in control of? There was no way that he would, you know, if he, if he was to a lie detector or whatever, would just be like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's some delusional people out there. No, but you can just like, There's- I know from like listening to these people, right? Like it, it now I'm starting to think that not everybody thinks that they're on God's side. Some people do the things they do for extremely selfish reasons. And I honestly think that if you are guided by something bigger, like I really think that your narcissism can be channeled into something greater than yourself. doesn't necessarily mean that every decision that you make is going to be right, but something like, okay, look, Paul Keating, extremely egotistical man. But like, yeah, he, he built, the stablest economy on earth. Just because you're like getting guided by your narcissism doesn't mean that you can't channel it into something greater. Yeah, in fact, 
most of the most people who are highly productive i would guess are more likely to have uh facets of narcissism they'd have to well yeah especially if you're going to try to if you're aiming for even sort of leadership and things like that the level of Pride in yourself you would have to have to even put your hand up in the first place. Yeah. It's not necessarily I mean, that. Say, you know, like, let's design the culture of tomorrow. That's <laughs> a fucking narcissistic thing to say. But I just, at, at the same time, it's like, well, what else do you do? No, but this it's is the whole thing. Neil, 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 this is the whole thing. There are people do. that do do that. People are designing culture. Yeah, I know. Right there now. are people doing like, it. Like, all this SJW shit is designed. Yes, yes. And, and- – Yes, you have to offer something rather than just simply tearing that down. I think you have to offer a better alternative. Yeah. The third, well, it's the third cool. it's- army in the culture war. There are the, the ones who want to look backwards, ones who want to tear that down, and the ones who want to look forwards. It's mad, actually. It's like way better. It's kind of, you know what's sick? Just kind of having this attitude of like, oh, these are all just shadows dancing on caves. <laughs> when it comes to the culture war, right? And just being like, meh, not actually that interested in it anymore. Yeah. I, I, I really felt like this was the most freeing feeling of all time when someone was just like, uh, someone was just, I don't know, the, the daily routine of being a public figure in 2022. Uh, you're a racist, you're a sexist, whatever, right? You're a transphobe, doesn't matter. Just kind of sitting there and being like, yeah, okay. Just moving on. You know, like just being like, yeah, all right, all right, I'm a racist. What else you got? There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing after that. And then you're just completely free. Just lean into it hard. So I think that like it's that that would have to be the beginning of it is to kind of, I think it's even just to be like, because there's always this, element to it, right? There's always this element of coolness to a new culture that you're creating. In fact, actually, somebody was saying that about like the culture that I accidentally created around labor voters, right? It was just like, th- this was an old ABC stalwart who was saying, th- first off, the was way that the, the ABC was getting of, criticized. The parody you got from um, Sean McAuliffe? No, Christ, dude, that guy's like as institutionalized as possible. Of course he is. He's been there for like 11 years. And on top of that, he's like a 60-year-old man. He loves the ABC. And it was very evident in their critique of it because there was a couple of things in it that I was thinking, if they've gotten- I've clearly watched your videos quite a lot. If they, they got a lot of the things- They got it accurate. They got it accurate. But there was one thing in it that I was kind of thinking, all right, I'm- Almost certain this is just ABC dogma that is coming out right now. But if it's not, then they've picked something out about me that I didn't even see in myself where I was like, damn, that's good parody then. So it was the point of being like, sex is disgusting and it should be banned. I think that they were just this video where I was just shitting on hack and I was like, why the fuck are we paying for this like youth network fucking news show that just does like half hour stories about crystal dildos? 
And they were just like, oh, my God, like, he's sex shaming. I bet you that's what they thought in their mind because they just, they, it can't even occur to people in the ABC that you would actually criticize them on the quantity and, like, on the quality of what they're putting out, right? Like, they're just – they're gods in their mind. So, it just must be that I hate sex. I think that's what they were saying there. But if they were saying the other point, which is something that my editor said, which was just like, dude, if you look at a lot of your work, there is this underlying Puritanism that you have. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck, that is it's so much true. I've never <laughs> even thought about it before. I'm just constantly punishing sin all the time. Like I really hate sin. <laughs> yeah, <you do>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so it's I a product of, of your environment if you went to Newtown and, you know, you're obviously this driven, you know, you're, you're abstemious in your habits and you've got this sort of work ethic that's quite prolific and you would have grown up around people who literally, like these are the people I'm talking about that are like just so, so common in the arts and like I do, I, I respect them and I and I love them but my God, is there just inability to just concentrate and to focus and to have even just like a basic work ethic frustrating. I know. And, yeah, you know, horrible. you sort of see them kind of do just copious amounts of drugs on the weekend and then have the gall to just like whinge about, you know, landlords or something. And you, uh, it's just maybe it's just the way I was brought up, but it's just zero sympathy, you no. know, and not even that, just like really like disdain yeah can't agree with you more can't agree with you more it's 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 true disdain those <laughs> people just deserve nothing but contempt as soon as you know them on a personal level or at least like their sins deserve contempt because they, they as you said before it's just such a waste of human potential i really hate that but i think I think he came across something, the guy that I am talking about, because he was saying that before Friendly Geordies existed and started critiquing the ABC, all the criticism that we got in the ABC was just coming from this one thing that was clearly the Murdoch press just hitting the ABC with their talking points that was really just about market differentiation and them just getting more people. So it was all just like, you're woke, shoy boys, and all this kind of shit. And then all of a sudden they started getting these criticisms of just like, Dude, you're, you're, you're a state-funded institution. There is no difference between you and the uh, Chinese media outlets that you're constantly shitting on in the news, right? Like you are exactly the same thing. And he was saying that even in people in the ABC, that that was fucking with their heads. And they realized that they had been like heavily indoctrinated by the dogma of the ABC. And that, the, you know, that it's, just, it's yours, it's this taxpayer-funded institution. If we didn't have this, and we wouldn't have publicly funded journalism, and they never made the connection in their head that it's just like, well, who the fuck is fucking like controlling those funds? It doesn't occur to them, and then they just be like, oh, we're getting all these pressure, and we can't do all these things. It's like, well, then at some point, your existence is completely useless, isn't it? Where you are now, what you are, which is just a version of the Murdoch press that is more uh, friendly towards old bags in Leichhardt. You know, like it, it's it. <laughs> oh, <You're> right. <laughs> and, and, and so anyway, he was saying like it was just like this this weird thing that happened, and they just got really triggered by it, and you could like just utter hatred 
rejection and then some people kind of just being like, fuck, he's right. Like, but it fucked with their heads. And then he was saying that the same thing was just like, it was just an accepted malaise that the Labor Party was lame and out of ideas and all this kind of shit. And then you came along and then all of a sudden you made the Labor Party cool. And this is the thing that I remember from Andrew Breitbart's book. And also when I was talking to Van Batten about it once before, she was saying the same thing. All culture is built off the idea that the old culture is lame. You start with that and then you move into the other culture. That's the first building block of it, which yeah. is like, so you yeah. stop fighting the culture and you're just like, dude, this is like old. Yeah. This isn't cool. <laughs> wow. No, you're right. It's actually, there's there's a guy that you really should read. Um, it's a simple but astute observation. Yeah, fuck, what was his name again? Abby something or other. He wrote the book, Steal This Book. Now, you shouldn't read Steal This Book. It's kind of useless now, but that's the thing that he's most famous about. But you should read about his life because he he specialized in this. He specialized in creating cultures, as did Andrew Breitbart, hmm. for their particular views of the world. The thing is, the, 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 the endeavor that you're going down, like every other pursuit in human history, has been done before, yeah, of course, yeah. you know. But the thing is that you're like the current player in the current technological environment. So it's going to have a completely different, but you're still filling that same thing that needs to happen. Thing is, both Breitbart and I can't even remember his name now, Abby Hoffman maybe? No, nah, I think it's Abby something. But he did, he did really kind of create the hippie movement. And you read what he was doing and it is incredible. He kind of just put acid into the entire culture of the United States. He was just like, you know, the, I don't know, it's just this 50s plastic fantastic world and I'm just going to dose that world with daily acid like just doing stupid things that people that are high on acid would do i guess like just being like we're just gonna go into the police store we're, we're all just gonna go into like the, the, the police station and uh we're all just gonna like walk in there uh w w like backwards man and then we're just gonna walk out and we're just gonna like yell like skip de doo or something like that and then everyone's <laughs> like yeah man that's cool like that kind of shit just like right stuff that made no sense at all and his whole point was just like just to be like i'm just trying to expand your mind of what's possible man what was his ultimate goal that to expanding people's minds to just get people to the point of just like everybody's living in a box i'm just trying to get the lid to be open at least man uh-huh which is pretty much just hippies <laughs> okay Acid. That's yeah. what he was trying to do. He was just trying to make people that have never tried acid before kind of think like somebody who's on acid is, which is just like everybody always says the, the one thing that you get out of acid is you start questioning reality, right? Like just how real is what you think is real. And that's what he was trying to do. That was the cultural shift that he was making with hippies. Yeah. Like this thing of just like, 
Why do you have to go to a job? Why do you have to go to Vietnam, man? What's wrong with prison? Prison could be cool. <laughs> that, 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 that was it. Right. And it was needed for the time, I suppose. And it's, it's, it's like, I guess, what you're coming across now, which is like, I suppose now what's needed for the time is sort of a blend of the two almost. Kind of a respect for institutions, but in a more hippie way than they were previously built up. Hmm, not necessarily. I don't not know. necessarily. No, I don't know what it, what it, is, would, it would be, but you said it yourself. Like you, there's just such a disconnect between what was heroic in 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 history, in ancient history. Um compared to what is heroic now. You know, every, every well, many societies and cultures have their idea of the, you know, what is heroic, what is virtuous, what is good, what is just. And, you know, when, when corporations are sort of aligning with what is good and just, that's, that's something wrong. Yeah. That's yeah. not even like a, I'm not trying to tear down, I'm not, it's not even coming from a, a, a communist or socialist standpoint there, but that's not, that, something's lopsided. In the, There's not, something really, not in really evil when, when, when culture is being, this is the whole thing, yeah? Byzantine culture was definitely not predicated on profit. That was not the driving factor of Byzantine society and yet it survived for a thousand years. It is really sickening now that culture is being manufactured for the point of profit. It's, yeah, it's, it's filthy. Yeah, that's dark. It's dark. Well, I think it's deeper than that. I think culture was manufactured for what was in those architects' minds a virtuous goal and it became popularised. To, within a within a subculture, and then and then I think uh, corporations realise that it can be profitable. Mm. So I don't think they're actually really at the forefront of it. Mm. But it's hard to make something cool when you know, I don't know, like Dove soap is also expressing it as cool. Like it's not, you know, you can't. Tell me that somehow is you know the the vanguard of 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 culture when it's sort of safe enough to be promulgated by a you know a profit seeking entity. Kmart. Yeah. Yeah. When Kmart <laughs> is making some political statement, first of all, it's it's really sickening, and I never want to go and shop there again. But second, like nothing that they are saying could be remotely virtuous. <laughs> the best memes are the ones where it's like the weapons manufacturers with a bomb with a pride flag on it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so good. Yeah, like that thing that like everyone was going off at before of just like, I'm in the CIA and I'm transsexual. Dude, like, you know... Uh... <laughs> I was watching 
NRL 360 before we started. Yeah. And um, unbeknownst to many of the Manly Seagulls players, they were uh, scheduled to wear a sort of a pride jersey this weekend. But looking at rugby league, looking at Pacific Islanders who were like deeply Christian, deeply Christian, and seven of the players were like, no. Nah, no, we're not wearing it. Fuck yeah, fight the power. And but no, but it's it's a really f- interesting loggerheads now of sort of the sponsors of an NRL club. And, you know, like these sponsors are ultimately what drives the machine of a sporting club, of a professional sporting club, because that's what they need to survive and to thrive. And you know, come come get in the description for our sponsors, but. Um, <laughs> They just didn't want to wear it. Good. I don't know what's going to happen because it just happened, but I just thought that was hilarious. I'm so glad because it's like like actually standing up to something. Seven fob guys. (laughs) That is just like, like, because you can't say it's all all white men. So I love like intersectional conundrums like that. Oh, yeah. There's like a black woman. Well, it's always that, isn't it? It's just like, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of minorities that really despise the idea of homosexuality. It's always awesome to see what, uh, you know, the Sydney Morning Herald picks. And you know what they pick every time? Gayness. Every time. That's always like much higher up on their hierarchy. Yeah, so you could argue that if you're taking that sort of intersectional viewpoint and saying like, hey, you need to uh, uphold the the consensus of people of color, right? Because it's all about power, and it's all about just like sort of the 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 significance of the viewpoint, rather rather than like the 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 either the efficacy or the truth or the or the depth of it. And it's just arguably, arguably, you could make the case for like gayness being a white supremacist construct. Because it's like far more supported by white people than people of color. <laughs> you could make that argument in you the, using their logic. Yes, you could. You could. <laughs> ah. Well, anyway, that was a uh, that, was, that was awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna wrap this one up. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys, to our uh, narcissism for two hours. Good on you. I think it's probably past midnight. Yeah. And um, we'll see you next time. Bye, gang. <laughs>